0: Old School Lame Casual Chats is brought to you by Old School Lame, producing various content from blogs, videos, and podcasts discussing about movies, TV shows, video games, and everything else in between since 2011. You can check out the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and YouTube. We're associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Aaron Meta Show. (laughs) Welcome to a new episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and I'm here with Aaron Meta from The Aaron Meta Show.
1: Hey, it's like uh, I keep randomly appearing back on your show for some strange reason.
0: Yeah, and the reason why is because I'm here in your house for some strange reason.
1: Yeah, I wonder why that is.
0: Hmm, I have no idea.
1: Maybe you decided to become my roommate.
0: <laughs> yes, I decided to travel about 3,000 miles away just so I can be your roommate.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you're perfectly innocent. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, let's uh, talk about today's uh, movie, shall we? So we decided that we were going to be cleaning up the remaining animated films that had premiered in 2023. I thought to myself, you know what? This particular movie that came out on Netflix is creating a surprisingly amount of buzz from people who thought it was just going to be some small animated movie that just came out on Netflix, but no, it turned out to be quite a big hit. Yeah,
1: and would you believe it? It stars Adam Sandler.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in an
1: animated movie. Yeah. Like And let's be honest, like, uh, for a long time, we've joked about Adam Sandler in an animated movie, and what's the one movie that we always go to when it comes to an animated Adam Sandler movie? It's always Eight Crazy Nights.
0: Or uh, Hotel Transylvania. Or, I mean, to be fair,
1: Hotel Transylvania is still, you know, he it has his fans and everything like that, but I think you'll very find very few fans of Eight Crazy Nights in regards to, uh, you know, that that, but uh, you know finally you know they i just feel like you know happy madison have finally cracked it you know like uh, this leo in my opinion i think is a fantastic you know uh, animated movie yeah and, and, uh, and
0: apparently a lot of the critics seem to agree with this where they were saying that it was a surprisingly charming funny movie that had a really great lesson to be learned and surprisingly enough this movie has actually gotten a lot more critical acclaim than disney's wish yeah but
1: i mean to be fair, putting Disney's Wish aside, because obviously in the last couple of podcasts, you know, you and I have kind of made fun of it a little bit, you know, and obviously we've got the casual chat for Wish actually coming up, you know, at some point. And, uh, but uh, the thing is, is that uh, I think Leo, um, what I think it does very well, I, it doesn't feel very Dr. Seuss-ish. This 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 one like it's uh, in a, in a way when you think about it like it's a it's a lizard that you know kids take home and uh, then all of a sudden it speaks to them and says that they're special and uh, but then obviously they I mean obviously you know they the works out their problems and uh, you know even though that uh, he himself you know proclaims to wants to be free everything like that I think there's a bit of Doctor Susan in in, in, this, in this tale a little bit really I mean obviously there's not the narration and obviously there's you know mis- mis- there's a few more like you know um, edgy aspects to it rather than the uh, Dr wouldn't put in but uh, you know like uh, it does feel like that in a way Strangely enough,
0: I guess so because you know you have a you know a sense of colorful characters and you have a lot of the humor and the whimsy that you would expect for a Doctor Seuss adaptation, but without the cringy pop culture references and trying to be modern to the kids, where essentially you have the life lesson that people are able to gravitate towards, where people were able to say, you know what, I mean, you're going into a particular point in your life where you're no longer going to be a kid, you're going to be become a teenager, and this is going to be the last Year of your life, so you might as well enjoy it and just know that you're not always going to get the answers. I haven't felt something like this since recess school's out.
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, should we go into the plot of this? Uh, this so, um, long time class pet Leo and uh, the uh, Taratua and uh, Squirtle the Turtle uh, live in a fifth grade classroom in Fort Myers uh, Elementary School. Uh, during a parent teacher conference, the fifth grade, uh, fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Uh, Salinas, announces her maternity leave and the parents disappear. disappeared. Uh, displeased with the substitute teaser that uh, the principal has uh, selected to cover Miss Salinas. Um, Leo over here is uh, one of the parents saying that uh, Tarotaras, ter- um, am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, Tarotaras Tarotaras, uh, only live uh, to be 75 years old and despair when he realizes that he's 74 and has not accomplished his dreams of going to the Everglades. Uh, the next day, the strict substitute to Miss uh, Malkin uh, arrives and is uh, quickly loathed by the students. Leo is taken home uh, for the weekend by Summer, who is overly talkative girl uh, while uh, trying to make his uh, escape, Leo accidentally reveals to someone that he can talk, uh, and suggests uh, to her that uh, she asks more questions to improve her conversation. And classmates, and so as a result, this uh, gets him very popular, and then more students are taken, taken forth and so forth and so forth and so. The 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 the, uh, the formula kind of like repeats, but at the same time, it doesn't become like a repetitive in a way. Like you know, each child will take Leo home, and uh, then he will talk to him about their problems eventually, and then obviously they get more confident as a result. To be honest, it's fun going through this journey with leo it yeah. really is yeah so leo
0: was born in 1949 and he has become this class pet at the fort myers elementary school and he has seen everything he has seen all types of problems from multiple students across many generations and so it makes a lot of sense why he's able to connect with the students so well because he's seen it all it's nothing new to him and so when he talks to the students and he tr- he connects with them that's when the opportunity comes in where the students are starting to become a little bit more confident about their own social problems, their own personal problems and whether they can be able to um, go into the next step of passing the 5th grade and going to the 6th grade and especially since they have a new substitute teacher which they don't like.
1: Yeah, I love the idea of like Leo can only understand fractions because he's not in a class low and still learn about pluses and minuses.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and so he decides that he's going to fake a fire drill so that all the class pets can come out. And then finally, he's able to talk to the second grade class pet, which is a bunny, which is named Cinnabon, which is adorable, by the way. And then he realizes that he is 74 years old and... Uh, you know, uh, Tortaras live up to be 75, and so he thinks that this is his last year to live, and so he's going to make the best out of it.
1: Yeah, I love the idea that, you know, he's so afraid of, like, you know, being, leaving this earth, and uh, then, like, he has a, f- a funeral, like, uh, that all the kids go around, and, like, uh, they basically have nothing to say about the class pet.
0: <laughs> yeah, like they did with the class hamster, and it's like, oh, I like the way that he breathed. Oh, I like that one spot on his, um, in his fur... I don't have anything to say at all. And so he's afraid that, you know, him living for 75 years in a classroom where he saw easily hundreds of students and he's afraid that he's not going to leave any legacy behind it kind
1: of reminds me remember when homer talks uh, from the simpsons talks about his funeral and uh, like it's just him basically being like you know put in a skip and they just you know being dumped into the grave while dogs gnaw on his feet (laughs) it kind of reminds me of that joke a little bit really like if all other people around him like you've had more successful careers (laughs) it's like uh, yeah i mean i think that's i think that's brilliant in that regard but uh, so um i think you know a great setup by the way i love this you know this is what i think some modern movies i think do lack. like here's this setup like they sat down and thought okay here's leo he's the class pet so what's the likely thing that's going to happen to him oh well kids are going to take him home and uh, you know we'll talk about their, their problems and uh, how amazing would it be if he actually talked you know, like, uh, and to be honest with you, like, uh, there's a lot of, this is a rela- relatable situation because, like, you know, we've all had the class pet, haven't we? I mean, uh, to be fair, I haven't taken it home, you know, like, uh, because, you know, but to be fair, I had my own pets at home and things like that. So, like, uh, um, you know, th- this was a great, this was a great way to set this up. Yeah, and I, that, I
0: thought you brought it up. Like, what class pets did you remember when you were a kid?
1: Oh, it was gerbils and hamsters.
0: I remember when I was in, um, I think it was either in kindergarten or first grade, my teacher had a fish tank and it was with hermit crabs
1: oh cool was awesome
0: yeah that was the first time i actually learned about hermit crabs and how... we one
1: time had we one time had eggs and they hatched into chicks but I, we, I, mean, like, I had that too yeah but i mean like they were like you know they were kept on strict supervision like oh, you, yeah, know, you, sure. couldn't, you couldn't play with them or
0: anything no like no that, no you know, and it was like, uh... and, and for anything it was just for a science experiment anyway like, yeah exactly yeah you had to like keep an eye on the chicks uh being hatched and you know find out if they're healthy or not how long the incubation process came um was uh forming so yeah those are what i recall the only pets that i remember yeah
1: like i mean as far as i'm concerned you know, in regards to class pets i mean like uh, i mean dare i say i think in american schools i think they're far more varied I oh think, yeah than they are at least in british schools maybe i might be wrong about that someone in the conversation you say, oh i grew up with this pet or i grew up with that pet well maybe by all means you know tell me but uh, i mean in the schools that i was in you know at the time it's, it tends to be kind of like just furry friends if anything mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah so i really like the setup that it was able to bring towards the plot where leo wants to leave and escape his tank so he can go over to the everglades and he even sings about oh by the way this is a musical believe it or not like i didn't even know that this was a musical
1: well yeah like and also some of them are actually very surprising as well it's funny because there's some really good songs in it and then i'm pretty sure they did this on purpose they put in a really bad song in as well about so uh, you know we're t- to you know, stop crying. Basically, she <laughs> Uh, I guarantee you they did that on purpose they yeah. have to every it, it seems like they said oh well every animated movie has like a terrible song number like you know you know Fumbelina has Marry the Mole and uh, you know uh, I think uh, we said before in Little Mermaid like you know the Scuttlebutt song was obviously not that great either it seems like there's always seems to be that one song that always sticks out and also the Batty rap also from uh, you know Fung From Gully, the, the Last, last rainforest. rainforest yeah exactly so there's always that bad song number I, I get the feeling that they did this on purpose <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like there's always that one bad song number in every animated movie
0: yeah and it's and it's bad on purpose because we have the scene in which leo is singing a lullaby to one of the students and she is crying because leo reminded her of her grandfather who was the only person who understood her and he's singing the song about like don't cry because crying is for wusses and you know don't cry crying is for babies and you know be strong hold it in and then you would think like wow that was a terrible song and then she gets her science book and saying like no crying is a good thing because it releases this and this and that. And it's supposed to be good for you and then he learns a lesson it's like wow you're able to take what would essentially be a horrible song and make it into a valuable lesson good on you there's
1: another song that actually comes to mind remember forget about love by iago in uh was that in the um, return, of jafar. return of jafar yeah like uh, that was a pretty terrible song number as well Mind you, like, it was funny, but, like, you know, it wasn't, it didn't really, <laughs> didn't really further the, the, uh, the story any further. I mean, did it? it
0: did, because that was the point in which Jasmine decided to forgive Aladdin after he lied about hiding Iago from her father. Oh, okay, then. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> I really like that, uh, that moment where Lindsay Ellis, a.k. The Nostalgia Chick, was joking about the fact that Gilbert Godfrey got to get two songs in a movie where he clearly is not a singer. It's like, hey, Gilbert, yeah, you get to have two song numbers. Uh Okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like,
1: uh, to be fair, uh, though, like, uh, they were warranted because, like, uh, the first song number that, uh, I mean, I'm sorry we're going completely off topic. The first song number was obviously him getting rid of Jafar in the well. And then the second one was about, like, you know, uh, he's trying to convince Jasmine to move away from Aladdin. So yes. they, they were justified, yes. I guess, in that case. So uh, it's just unfortunately Gilbert Goffrey <laughs> happened to be the one that to, sing, that to sing them both. Yeah. And at Obi least. George Judge Double that day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, but at least Adam Sandler is a great singer. I mean, we've seen this before in SNL in which he's always in his guitar and he's performing his songs, whether you know the Turkey song or whether you know the Hanukkah song. And, and recently I saw a clip of his one night show where he actually performed this amazing song tributing Chris Farley. So yeah he's a great singer. Uh, the, the one thing
1: I'm glad about is that because when I first walked into this, I thought it was just basically just going to be Adam Sandler. Like, you know, like, you know, or him. So no, he puts on like, you know, a, he thinks about Leo and he he actually puts on a genuine voice, like you know, this is like you know, an elderly pet that is in there, and uh, you know, and uh, obviously he has this sarcasm to it, and uh, you know, he has this uh, you know uh, personality to it, and I think Adam Sandler does a really good job in you know uh, making us believe this is Leo, mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't expecting that to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, especially since in Eight Crazy Nights he did voice other characters other than just Davy. Well, they Stone. weren't
1: great. Let's be honest. <laughs> with Yeah,
0: you. like for example, when he voiced as Whitey, the only reason why he had that like really scratchy really voiced was because he was impersonating Dana Carney uh, uh, Dana Carvey in that uh, sketch show uh, the that Dana Mickey show.
1: Mouse was having a bad day <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, but the reason why was because uh, it was an impersonation on David Carney's character, and so he decided that he really liked that voice, so he's going to put it into the old man.
1: Yeah, just, uh, I just think that, uh, but this I think goes really well. I think uh, you know, dare I say, like, uh, you know this is Adam Sandler's strong point, I think. I think he's very good at uh, taking a character, and uh, when he's told what this character is, then he can he, he goes and uh, gives this voice, and it's like wow. It's like, uh, you remember when Mike Myers like, uh, you know, decided to say, oh, I'm going to give uh, Shrek the uh, the Scottish accent yes. in that and you know look, look, look what the model is I, I think this should be a thing like I think they should say okay if we're gonna get this celebrity to come in here let's show him the picture of like what we visualized this guy to be and we want you to think about what voice it will be and uh, then you know they go through a few takes with it and uh, there it is you know that's just because uh, I mean like to be fair though I mean the reverse sometimes can be better I mean like you remember when Robin Williams was shown all those times when he was doing stand-up and they basically did pencil drawings of Genie and basically uh, and show that to him and he thought it was hilarious. So I guess the reverse can work, but at the same time I think voice actors should get a say in like you know how you know this guy should sound. Yeah, exactly. Like
0: another example I can think of is Steve Carell when he was voicing as Gru in Despicable Me. He doesn't sound like Steve Carell. He sounds like a evil maniacal yet goofy Russian guy who tries to be the bad guy
1: yeah and that's what that's what that character should be and uh, you know so I think uh, you know I'm really glad that, uh, that Adam Sandler was able to be given like the liberty to like be able to to do that and
0: it makes a lot of sense because he I mean you know that it is the produ- it is his production studio that is making this movie he was one of the co-writers of this movie alongside with Robert Smigel who was a major SNL ca- um, uh, writer at the time and he's also the creator of Triumph the insult comic dog but also he wrote the um, the first two Hotel Transylvania movies.
1: Yeah exactly but uh, I think that's a great thing as well because like uh, it's not just like oh hey we're just going to do an SNL sketch of Leo like you know like this isn't what this movie is no. like uh, they 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 put some heart and they put some soul into this and uh, you know like I'm just very here's the thing like you know I've seen some pretty bad Adam Sandler movies I've oh, got to yeah. be honest with you there's some pretty terrible ones out there. I have you know. seen
0: some really bad Check ones. Check your
1: local charity shop for all like all the DVDs with Adam Sandler and oh, terrible t- movies. T- tell, that,
0: tell that story, by the way.
1: Oh yeah, like uh, one time I was gonna do a uh, I was gonna do a uh, series of movie reviews called Charity Shop Theater, and uh, so when I walked in, like you won't believe the amount of Adam Sandler movies that were actually on, you know, and yeah, like you know, Adam Sandler was very popular at the time. Like you know, we're talking about you know years ago when I was thinking of doing this, and uh, I just thought, well, hang on a second, if I'm just gonna do this, I'll just end up basically just doing you know uh, either some really popular movies or Adam Sandler movies. That'll basically there's no like in between. Right. In all of this, and uh, although I was going to see some like, very obscure DVDs or like some obscure movies, kind of like you know, because you and I once went into a charity shop, you know, looking for vinyl records, and uh, we saw some like, very obscure stuff. And uh, maybe if we, I mean, if we we're going to do, um, you know, reviews on that, mind you, DCMA might, you know, might take all those down if oh, we did sure, them. Yeah, sure. exactly. But uh, so, um, yeah, I just think that, um, um, you know, with time I seen some pretty terrible stuff, unfortunately. For him, it's really refreshing when I get to put in this movie and I get to watch him basically be at his best. Yeah. You
0: know? and to be fair in recent years he's been doing really great movies like for example there's the Meyerowitz story and uncut gems which are, are more of his serious roles hustle which is about him as a back ba- as a basketball coach recruiter i saw that movie just a few months ago and i absolutely loved it and from what i understand uh, he did a movie with his daughters called um this is not my bat mitzvah which speaking of which um you know two of his daughters are in this movie uh, Um, there's Summer and Jacob so yeah I think that um, you know
1: Sadie Sandler's in there too
0: yeah so yeah Sadie is uh, Sadie and Sonny are his daughters and Mm -hmm. Jackie is his wife yeah and we already know that Adam Sandler does a similar thing very similar to Tim Burton and Wes Anderson in which he casts his friends to be a part of the movie Rob Schneider who's he's been friends since they were
1: that's been done since day one of movies arising isn't it like you know we all have like our group of like our contacts so we say yeah we're gonna get this guy for movie, Quentin Tarantino. How many many times have Samuel L. Jackson been in a Quentin Tarantino movie?
0: Exactly, yeah. And how many times in a Tim Burton movie have we seen Michael Keaton or Johnny Depp? Exactly. Yeah, so it's it's, um, no exception here. You, You
1: bring in people you can trust to do the job well.
0: Exactly, yeah. And I think that they do a really good job here. I mean, like it's not too distracting and they also fit the characters really really well. Uh, and all the characters actually are pretty interesting. You you actually are your you're actually want to be invested in what they're going through because that, that's
1: the great thing about this movie. They give time to everybody, including Miss uh, Melvin, who, you know, Miss Malkin, because of Melvin, uh, Miss Malkin the Martian. But I mean, like so Miss Malkin because like every single character has a backstory in all of this and you know they're not just like coming in here and basically just being stereotypes like there's a reason why they came into their being effectively like you know uh, there's one class who thinks she has to be super popular in order to basically you know to be to be ver- verified by her peers and she doesn't have to be you know and yeah. uh, so there's that and then there's you know there's the girl who basically gossips on too much and then it's like uh, you know leo comes in and says just look just slow down and ask a question because then people will feel validated because of that yeah and, and- then there's
0: one student who's been held back twice and he feels that he's not smart enough and so um, Oh, that's get...
1: hilarious like when Squirtle the turtle basically comes in and uh, you know uh, tries to have a have a go at this and he ends up basically being thrown through the window <laughs> with weirdo around <laughs> his shell
0: I, I have to say that one of my favorite things in this movie is the dynamic between Leo and Squirtle they are hilarious together
1: you know what I think uh, that Squirtle I think compliments Leo very well because like uh, they, they clearly are just like roommates who you know uh, are kind of Really thrust into this situation. They don't necessarily like one another, but they basically have to tolerate one another. And, uh, you know, but they do have some sweet moments at the end of the day. They so. do,
0: they do. And uh, Bill Burr does a fantastic job as Squirtle. And you may know Bill Burr, he's a comedian. He's also the creator of F is for Family. So, yeah, he's a really hilarious guy.
1: Yeah, I, I, I love this, uh, this uh, chemistry between the two. But, mind you, like, the great thing about this is there's lots of great chemistry in, amongst the roller characters. Leo goes and meets everybody and makes them all feel wonderful and yeah. everything. I mean, like, unfortunately, um, this is the thing about this, like, as much as I hate the liar reveal, I mean, like, uh, I guess this is, like, an unintentional way that this has come about. It's not that Leo is, like, you know, lying to these uh, kids on on purpose or anything like that. It's like, you know, he's, he's realising that, you know, he's uh, his, he's basically transferring his uh, years of knowledge, you know, uh, to help, help these kids out. And, uh, you know, trying to be, you know, basically like a guardian angel, in a way, to all of these things. So I don't think that's, like, there was any, like, malicious intent in, like, what he did. And obviously, yeah, there's obviously, you know, they there's the stereotypical like he gets found out and everyone like you know goes off in a huff and you know uh, but then they realize how actually wonderful he actually has been and And, then they try and make amends in the final act
0: and it makes a lot of sense because all of these students are going through some serious serious moments of uncertainty and doubt yeah exactly they're growing up and so when leo tells them oh you're the only person i've ever told you that i can talk you're special and so let's be honest when you're a kid who's going through a lot of struggles whether it be with family struggles whether it be with social struggles whether it be with any kind of struggles if somebody tells you Hey, you have a very special friend, and it's no fr- and you know. This special friend is not friends with anybody else, and you feel special. It makes a lot of sense why they would have a really strong connection towards them. That's why
1: I said at the very beginning, this uh, full formula feels very Dr. Seuss because, like, you know, it's this magical talking, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, a crooked, you know, uh, class pet that you know, where uh, and people are going through like some problems in life, and then he basically comes to life, and then you know, where uh, does that? I mean, like, uh, I just think uh, that, that having the way that this whole thing has been put together I think it has been done 100% correct. Yeah. I think. I mean, to be fair, I mean, like, no movie is perfect, as we all know. I mean, there's obviously some flaws in all of this. I mean, the only, mind you, one flaw I don't think is this movie's fault is that, unfortunately, like, I wouldn't this be great if this came out in theatres? Like, you know, like, uh, I mean, I dare I say, I think with the composition that's out there right now, I think it would give it a run for its money. I do I agree, think.
0: yeah. Both Nimona and Leo would have done gangbusters in the on uh, the box office, especially since, as we talked about in wish 2023 has not been a great year for disney
1: and you know, imagine if they did. Imagine if Leo basically came in and basically brought, brought in more bad news for Disney. Think, hey, Netflix released this in theaters and competed with our movies and d- did better yeah. than that. Like you know, right now this movie's trending on uh, Netflix at the moment. Actually,
0: yeah, we we saw it in like number eight in our uh, in the top ten most trending movies that are coming out. Well, that's
1: a great thing for like a movie like this.
0: Exactly. And to be fair, some of the trending movies are like Christmas movies, so it makes a lot of sense. But yeah,
1: it makes you wonder did uh, did Leo come out at the wrong time? Do you think? No, you I don't co- think
0: so because let's be honest, Leo is getting a lot of attention, and like we said before, it's getting more critical but praise. But do you think it w- would
1: get more attention if it was like if it wasn't like released during like a holiday period? It was released kind of like more of a quiet period where not very many movies are getting released. Here comes Leo and basically just wows everybody. And mm. uh, you know, dare I say, maybe it could have hit, maybe it could have hit number one at one point. Possibly. For Netflix.
0: Yeah, that, that that could be a strong possibility. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I get you know, like you know, I get movie you know probably you know. Uh, happy Madison, but we didn't get a say in like when things get released I think they just gave it to Netflix and it's like okay we'll release it before Christmas it's gonna be a holiday movie sure so, I, I, yeah. guess that,
0: I guess that does make sense yeah so I think that um, another thing that was I was like genuinely surprised at was the way that they were able to develop the character of Miss Malkin the substitute teacher where she appears to be a strict substitute teacher and she uses old fashioned um, techniques to teach her students because she feels that that's the way to do it you know and no more computer. We're going to use books, and we're going to time you on doing your assignments. I-, I remember when I used to get that
1: Did d- d- you get a feeling that like this was basically going to be a Professor Poopy Pants situation? Where it's like, you know, like, oh, he's just, like, she's just evil. And, like, uh, you know, where uh, they were basically, you know, the kids were basically going to have to, like, you know, take over, you know, the, have a rebellion or something like that. They could have easily gone in that direction. Oh, they? yeah, that, easily. That, to, that isn't just, like, you know, um, just saying, like, within this movie. Like, that seems to be a theme that seems to be going for us in movies. Like, Nimona, for example, there's a revolution in that. In Wish, there's a revolution in that like they always seem to be like oh wait here's bad guy okay revolution now get rid of bad guy at the end you yeah. know like but they didn't do it in this movie they actually humanized you know uh, uh, Malkin in this, in this movie
0: yeah I mean she appears to be very strict but she's only doing this because she wants to be able to bring out the best in her students and makes a lot of sense because they're in the fifth grade and they're going to be moving on to middle school afterwards and she's a substitute teacher and she doesn't get the credit that she deserves she's immediately hated by the parents of the students saying oh Oh, well it's your fault that my student uh, that my that my child is not doing very well in class and you know you're mean and you're not letting her use your computer you're not giving her extra time to um, do the tests and all that kind of stuff bad teacher we're going to get rid of you and so it's justified on why she's acting so strict because she's the substitute teacher it's already going to be an automatic thing that the kids are not going to like you because the kids already like the teacher that they've been with for months and when a new person comes in and they're not the same, they're immediately going to say okay, what can we do to the substitute teacher? Okay, we're going to glue their chairs, we're going to throw spitballs, we're going to do this and this and that and then when they find out, oh, it's a strict teacher now they have a justified reason on why they hate this teacher.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, interesting that, you know, um, they introduced this commentary into it because, uh, let's be honest, like uh, you know, this generation of uh, people who are now being parents and having kids of their own, I mean, let's be honest, they grew up with pretty strict teachers, you know, we're back in the 80s and the 90s like, you know, they're not. It's funny because you know, they it seems to portray like these types of, you know, these things betray these types You like in recess, for example, like you know. Uh, I remember they, that yeah,
0: there was the, a the substitute teacher episode in which, uh, when Miss Grokey got sick, and then you had this really strict teacher who was able to be above and beyond, you know, all the pranks of all the students. And he gives them an assignment saying, "You have to do this, or else you're going to fail your test." Everybody is really scared of him, and TJ decides, "I'm going to trick this guy. I'm going to find a way to make sure that he's going to get the ultimate prank," and then he learns a valuable lesson again there's an episode of hey arnold was similar to this in which when miss slovak finally left to pursue her golf career we had a military drill sergeant as the substitute teacher well we
1: had mr simmons to start off with and then the military drill sergeant came in after that oh that's right right. him away but i mean like the problem is i think there's a lot of people who think that you know our teachers back in the day were basically like Miss or basically like mr simmons unfortunately they weren't Like, you know it's like uh, i think because of like you know the um i think because their teachers were so strict back in that that time i think a lot of people you know People who've grown up in that era and now having kids of their own are like, you know, of course they're rebelling against their current teachers at the minute because that—that's their idea of what they think teachers are. Yeah, you know, like you know, they don't see behind. This is the problem. There's a lot of parents, I guarantee you, that are out there who never saw the other side of their teacher. Like I was lucky because you know um, I grew up and uh, a lot of the teachers who were uh, who I had had not re- like retired as of yet, and so I got to basically you know I once went back to one of my schools and you know got to meet my head teacher and you know got to see another side of her basically, and uh, she was really happy to see me, uh, effectively. But, you know, I used to think that, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, obviously I had my, at the time, you know, I was autistic. I was, I had asked so I, you know, I was a challenging student at the time. But, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, she saw me and I made it through the other side, she was so happy to see me. And I got to see a different side of her that I never thought I would ever have seen uh, and everything. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the problem is that I think a lot of people who are parents now don't have that experience. And so they immediately say, oh, I knew what my teacher was like and she was, you know, awful to me. And so therefore I will then assume that that teacher is also being Awful to my kid and will therefore defend in the corner it's understandable but it's also terror it's a terrible take at the same time yeah you know, like not all teachers are like that you know you have to give people chances
0: yeah and so Miss Malkin eventually gets Leo for herself because every single student has Leo and she's wondering wait a minute why is it that everybody loves this lizard and so she brings him over and then that's when she reveals her backstory that you know she wanted to be a teacher because she was influenced by her teacher teacher when she was a kid and so she decides that she's going to go into the school and she's going to teach to the best of her abilities but she's a substitute teacher she's very strict and nobody likes her and so she thinks that because the students are doing so well she thinks that that was her teaching but no it ended up being leo's and so she is equally just as heartbroken because there's this whole subplot about a competition that they're doing where they're supposed to be doing like some sort of history presentation and science fairs and a whole bunch of other things. And the best school, the best uh, class that does it gets to have a field trip to go over to this theme park. And so the students are thinking, well, we're never going to do it because, you know, Miss Malkin is such a trick teacher. But because of Leo's guidance, they're able to bring out the best of themselves. And Miss Malkin thinks, oh, wow, it's my teaching that does this. But no, it was Leo who did it. And she becomes genuinely heartbroken. And she just that she's going to accomplish his quote-unquote dreams and drops him off at the Everglades and takes the credit for herself yeah so again i think that this is kind of a justified reason on why her character arc works so well whether you want to see her as like the mean awful substitute teacher or a teacher who or a substitute teacher who has a justifiable backstory on why she ends up being the strict person that she is so again it makes a lot of sense on why her character is like this and i think it works really really well
1: yeah so um you know then yeah obviously we get to the part where you know she she ends up like you know dumping leo over the the everglades and uh i just think that you know she actually stopped because she actually felt really terrible about what she was doing and uh, then she obviously drove off and uh but uh you know it's kind of funny how the kids are so forgiving of uh miss malkin when uh, she basically finds you know she drops the uh that she you know got rid of leo uh the everglades and uh then they decide okay well we're gonna uh, go, go rescue her, but obviously, you know, they're on with a coach uh, who's, uh, you know, driving over to, uh, you know, uh, the theme park. And uh, obviously, he doesn't want to, like, you know, uh, change around because he's worried about getting in trouble with the parents, uh, pretty much, after what's happened, like, basically with the parents with Miss Malkin. So, uh, they pretty much end up, like, uh, you know, uh, taking him over to the theme park, you know, uh, then giving him loads of orders of, like, you know, of, uh, snacks and things to basically d- to get. And then they make a dash for the bus. And uh, then there's all this hilarious, like, you know, to do and fro. Mind you, like, uh, the, the bit where uh, you know, um, the kids drive the bus. Like, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, that was sort of a bit unnerving in a way. Like, I get it's an animated movie, but still. Yeah, you know, I mean, again,
0: right. th- there's a scene in Harold, the movie, in which when Gerald had to drive the bus when the bus driver got unconscious. Yeah, but
1: that's when the bus, uh, bus driver got unconscious. But I think was, oh, was Malcolm not
0: unconscious. Yes, she was. Yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot
1: about that. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, the kids are to drive the bus then. Good <laughs> grief. Oh, wow.
0: Okay, yeah. So there's a lot of Harold hey vibes that we're picking up on this. If you didn't notice, oh uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, it's um, you know,
1: with this movie, like you know, um, here's the thing, like it doesn't do anything overly terrible. I don't think in regards to like you know where the action or in regards to the comedy, like you know everything, everything is done right. I think uh, in in this regard. And so, and also, like, uh, you know, um, you worried by the way, you're worried about Leo when he finally gets to the Everglades. And it's quite funny how he's like, he's all switched around. Like, you know, he wanted to go to the Everglades before, obviously, he passed away, but now it may end up killing him, effectively. (laughs) Yeah, where he's
0: surrounded by all those gators.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, well, funny enough, you know, like all the th- wild animals that are around him aren't too, you know, aren't too fussed about him until basically we get to the alligators. <laughs> and uh, then, you know, obviously it's a fight to the death between, like, you know, the kids and the alligators. And, and uh, like, yeah, that, yeah. you that, can that totally was... tell this was in Florida, can't you? Like, uh,
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just really thought that it was funny that. You know, ordinarily, you'd be afraid of approaching an alligator, but Miss Malkin was like, I'm going to beat you up, I'm going to throw mints at you, I'm going to hit you, and then the alligator's like, I'm not taking this nonsense. So, yeah, I mean, again, you have to be in Florida in order for you to stupidly stand up against an alligator.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, I think we get the emotional reunion between like all the kids and Leo and you know it's, it's well earned. I, I think. do like, agree. You know it's uh, they, you know they've built this whole relationship amongst our characters and with Leo and you know to have that nice forgiveness, I think you know that, that was great. Mm-hmm. I think and uh, so um, yeah, but uh, then obviously you know they all have to move on because obviously you know they graduated from fifth grade and uh, but uh, you know the only person who's not moving on is Miss Malkin who is now basically made a permanent teacher despite all the shenanigans that basically have taken place and yeah. the betrayal.
0: <laughs> yeah, but this time she is a second grade teacher and she gets like these freaky looking kids. I have to say that the young kids that are portrayed in this movie that are not like from the, you know, from the fifth grade, they look like a, you know, they look like giant bobbleheads. They look ama- like
1: piranhas. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Like, you know, they're like, yeah, they look, they're very, very weird looking. Yeah, like, they look uh, like
0: Tiny Nose from the Owl House. I don't know. I don't know
1: why they decided to go with that. I mean, I guess they, for hilarity, I guess it is, yeah. but I mean, like, Again, I don't know. Like, but, it's, well, it's, it makes me wonder, like, Know, they're trying to like do their own version of minions, or like do their own versions of like, you know, you gotta have the small little weird character, like, you know, there's lots of them, like, you know, running around. But then again, it,
0: it kind of reminds me of Recess, in which the kindergartners are essentially like this. Crazy tribal group of like wearing a whole bunch of you know tribal gear and face paint all over them. But
1: that makes sense. I mean, like, you know, they are wild children, basically. Uh, And 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 again, I think that's what they were going for. Yeah, that's
0: that's their version of wild children that haven't grown into their bodies yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I don't understand why they probably went with that, but uh, I don't think they're going to catch on. I don't think. No,
0: I'm not going to buy toys of them.
1: No, I don't think so either. (laughs) I think if the merchandise came out of like with those things, I'm not too sure how well they would actually do. Yeah. Yeah, if at all. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, I mean, here's the thing about this. Like, this movie surprised us. Yes. It, it really did. Like, uh, And, uh, you know, it wasn't just the fact that, you know, we looked at the Rotten Tomato scores and uh, saw that, you know, uh, hey, this was doing really well. And uh, it was just the fact that, you know, a lot of our v- viewers who have actually seen Leo I uh, said, oh, hey, this is actually a really good movie, and I think you should check it out. And so we want to thank you all for basically bringing this to our attention and so we can get a chance to actually watch it and check it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this could be a possibility that Adam Sandler could be pretty viable in animated movies again?
1: yeah yeah so uh well i mean to be fair i mean the hotel transylvania i think was a very successful franchise it is in that yes
0: it did have four movies even though that the fourth one didn't have him in it. but you know what i think that the hotel transylvania movies are you know their their own style of goofy wacky slapstickness and mixed uh, mixed between monsters so i guess those were pretty good for him but i can see that at that point in time he really needed to move on and do better better stuff and he did yeah. in recent years he has been in a lot of great movies, so this is actually a good um, indication that this might be a new golden age for Adam Sandler movies. Yeah,
1: it might actually be a golden age for Netflix in this regard because, like, uh, you know, if they can make good animation movies like this, and, uh, I mean, who knows what else they could potentially do. I
0: mean, like we said before, I mean, Pinocchio won last year's Oscar for Best Animated Movie, and that was a Netflix film, so, again, we have a pretty strong contender for both Leo and Mo I mean, not Mo Nimona, to be possibly nominated for best picture and considering that both uh, elemental and wish very underperformed in the box office and and didn't really catch on to people's attention when it first came out i think we could be seeing another non-disney movie winning again
1: yeah so i I mean mean
0: the competition's pretty strong we have the super mario brothers movie we have spider-man across the spider-verse we have nimona we have leo yeah, I would say that um, you know Disney again needs to really shake things up because they're not doing very well. I mean, yeah, the, I mean the, there's only one exception, and that would obviously be DreamWorks. And-
1: I, I think you know here's the thing about this. Like, I mean, to be fair, I mean, we should be talking about. I mean, we talk about Disney's, you know, for for, for problems about Aaron and Patricia and stuff like that. I think let's give let's let's judge Leo on its own merits. Okay, yeah, I well, think let's you do know, that. yeah, exactly. I think uh, you know this movie that it had a really good protagonist. It has some really great side characters. It didn't waste anybody in that in that in my opinion. Uh, you know everybody got their time and uh, you know he put it in a familiar situation and uh, gave us uh, you know familiar scenarios he gave us some good jokes in all of that I think Leo has done an incredibly good job putting this movie together and uh, you know the songs are great and uh, you know the score I think is fantastic and you know getting everything of like that so I mean like I can't really run for anything in this movie I've got to be honest with you like you know, I mean are we going to score uh, I think at this point sure might like not. you know I would say you know um, with uh, what we've got and definitely I will watch this movie again I mean, if you given the opportunity I think it's a
0: 9 I think it is. Yeah, I I do agree. I think that this is a 9 out of 10. I think that this was a surprise for the both of us. We didn't think that, oh, you know, an animated film that's on Netflix starring Adam Sandler and it's produced by Happy Madison was going to be as great as it was. We were really, really shocked by how surprisingly good it was, by how funny it was. I mean, we laughed. How many times have we laughed when we watched this movie?
1: Uh, Oh, we laughed hilariously. Yeah, it was like it was every joke just landed yeah. it really did like you know there wasn't a moment where it was kind of like you know, oh that's too that's pretty terrible oh that's you know oh yeah like we didn't roll our eyes on anything like that but it was just it was great it was a great fun film
0: yeah And I also think that the message is fantastic. It has a heartwarming message about for kids who are struggling to you know, move on to the next step and who have their own personal problems that they don't have to figure it out immediately or giving like little things that they can be able to change with themselves that way they can be able to better themselves and better the people around them. It is a great movie to show to people who are going through that. So yeah it's not only funny, it also is not only has a great let a message to learn from it has great characters it has great music and also it has a really engaging story that you can be able to be invested in so it has the total package this is definitely one of the best animated films that we saw this year
1: cool so um yeah i think that's about it really
0: yeah so thank you so much for tuning in everyone let us know in the comments below about your thoughts on leo did you like it did you not like it do you think this is the return of adam sandler or do you think it was just not that great let us know so yeah we got one more podcast that we're going to be doing which is about video games so i'm really looking forward to that and then afterwards 2024 has uh, a slew of good ideas that i really wanted to do in my podcast for quite a while so yeah until then uh thank you so much for tuning in everyone um hope to see you around soon and take care
1: take care